0: Welcome to the 353rd episode of the reading and writing podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with Andy Mulvahill, author of the book Action Park, Fast Times, Wild Rides, and the Untold Story of America's Most Dangerous Amusement Park. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 185,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a different story one that supports your local community and your local bookstore. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Here's your special offer from the Reading and Writing Podcast. Get two audiobooks for the price of one today with your first month of membership with the code RWPODCAST at checkout. This offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S., check out Libro.fm today. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Andy Mulvahill, author of the memoir, Action Park, Fast Times, Wild Rides, and the Untold Story of America's Most Dangerous Amusement Park. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Jeff, I am so thrilled to be talking to you. It's really an honor. Thank you. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Action Park before, how would you describe the amusement park where you spent your childhood and grew up? You know, one of our slogans was, there's nothing in the world like Action Park,
1: and that's so true. You know, in one day, you could drive a race car, a speedboat, or a tank. You know, you could learn to fly, you could bungee jump, ride a bobsled, a water sled with a jump, or even one with a 360-degree vertical loop. But you know, Action Park wasn't just an amusement park; it was a participation park. So, you know, in a lot of parks, they strap you in, you sit back, you have a little thrill. Not at Action Park, you know, you control the action; you're the master of your own destination, uh, destiny. You know, but the thing that was really exciting is that people just kept on coming back; they loved it.
0: <laughs> so, what led your dad to creating Action Park? You know, he had a uh, he
1: had lent some money to guys that had a ski rig called Vernon Valley, and they couldn't pay him, so they gave him the keys. And so he had this place that was sitting empty for eight months a year, and he said, you know, i got to figure out something to do with this thing in the summer. So we started putting in rides, uh, first some alpine slides, a skateboard park. Then he started putting in water slides, and it built and built and built until it really became something where we were doing my upward of 15,000 people a day. It was crazy.
0: So we're in the middle of a global pandemic where people are arguing over face masks. yet you grew up and worked at an amusement park that prided itself on danger and injuries. I'm curious if Action Park was open today, would it be open and people would people be social distancing? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Action Park
1: was a, a thing that probably could only exist in the era that it did. Um You know, the rules have all changed. Things are a lot more litigious. You got to understand that my dad was a real American pioneer. He was doing something that really had never been done before. Not only in the fact that he was one of the first guys to create a water park, but, you know, amusement parks were relatively new then. And he was trying to do something where it was different. It wasn't, like I said, your typical amusement park. It was a participation park. It was kind of like he was the precursor to the X Games are extreme sports, but he applied it to an amusement park, you know. That just Extreme sports goes on today, but not in an amusement park.
0: So what was the most dangerous amusement park ride that you saw while you were working and growing up at Action Park? Oh, goodness.
1: Uh, I mean, there's a lot of roller coasters around the world that have done some damage. But if we're talking specifically at Action Park, I wouldn't really say any of the rides were particularly dangerous. Um, You could get some spills, but, you know, the biggest challenge that we had is that our customers came from the New York metro area, and a lot of them just didn't grow up around water and were not accustomed to swimming. So it was a real challenge when folks would come up that either they didn't swim at all or didn't swim very well, you know, so we had the same challenges that a lot of the, the, the beaches have and the Jersey Shore has.
0: So I know that Action Park's nicknames were Accident Park or Class Action Park, and you mentioned <coughs> you mentioned the litigious uh, society that we live in now. How did the park avoid getting shut down by a lawsuit? Well, you know, um, my father was
1: kind of ahead of his time, and when he saw the premiums that were being charged by the insurance companies, he decided to self-insure. He didn't do it quite right. He got himself into trouble with the state over it. But what it did, though, is it allowed him to really manage the whole lawsuit thing himself. And what we learned very quickly is if we did have an accident or injury, it was real, real important to interview the people right away. And it was amazing how nine out of 10 times the, the patron would start by saying, well, I really wasn't following the directions or I was screwing around or I tried to jump on my buddy's head. And believe it or not, Uh, we often very well, more often than not would win the lawsuits. But if we were wrong, if we made a mistake, we were the first ones to step up and and pay for whatever medical bills or any other damages they, the folks had.
0: Well, I know that modern amusement park rides are (coughs) rigorously designed and endlessly tested. How did your dad design new rides at Action Park?
1: Well, again, you know, this was back in the seventies and early eighties and, um, there, you know, Right now, if you wanted to open a water park, you could go to a number of different manufacturers that have water slides that have been you know, highly engineered. They, those, those companies didn't exist back then. So you know, what he did is he would find some idea that he thought was great and he would give it a shot. He was a very, very um, entrepreneurial guy that was not adverse to risks. He wanted to do something that had never been done before. He wanted to show people such a thrill And he figured that, kind of like skiing, if you're like, if you want to go on the bunny hill and take it slow skiing, that's fine. But if you want a real thrill, you go up to the steeps, you ski in the powder or the trees or the moguls, and it's a thrill. But with that came risk, and you potentially could get hurt. And he was okay with that. As long as we kind of told the customer
0: how to operate and what the risks were, you know, he was okay with that. (laughs) <laughs> so so can you tell us about the Bailey Ball ride and what happened with that? Well that was one that didn't quite work out right. Um there was a guy named
1: uh Mr. Bailey who had this idea of taking a person, a man, and putting them inside a huge ball. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. that was inside another ball with ball bearings in between them. There was actually a chair inside the inner ball and a couple uh, hatches to get in. And what he wanted to do was build a track from the top of the mountain all the way down that this ball would go in. And he, my father said, look, come on, let's give it a shot. It had never been done before, and the guy didn't really have any plans, so he just started building it. And he would build a little bit and test it and it worked out and a little more. And finally, he was done, and it seemed to work. So we were going to open it, and uh, we had the um, state inspector come. And, and it was um, a particularly hot day that day that he came. And he came later in the afternoon, so it was really hot. And what Bailey had failed to realize is the track was made out of PVC pipe. And so the guy, the test pilot, jumped in the ball. We got it going. It was going great. But what happened is the PVC pipe expanded, and all of a sudden just the track just fell apart. And the ball, rather than going back and forth slowly across the mountain, it went straight down the mountain. It almost hit the inspector. He had to dive out of the way. The thing went down through the parking lot, across Route 94, the state highway. Didn't have any cars, thank God. And then down into the swamp. Thank God the guy that was riding, it was okay. But that ride, needless to say, did not open. It was not a success.
0: Ah, that's too bad. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so why why was there a spectator booth at the surf hill at the park you know I've been asked this one before
1: and um I, I've actually gone back and reread uh where we talk about it uh, but the bottom line is that surf hill was a phenomenal ride it was actually my favorite ride the whole park and it was like a giant slip and slide with different lanes and the lanes on the end had a jump And it was really fun. I mean, you could really fly through the air. I learned how to do flips on the thing, and it was really spectacular. People loved to watch it. But the other thing that happened with the ride is the way you slowed down at the bottom is you kind of would hit some water and skim across it. That would slow you down. And sometimes that would knock somebody's bathing suit loose. And so the rumor has it oh, they built the grandstand to watch people lose their bathing suits. That's really not the full story. The story was really to see the jump and the whole spectacular of the thing. So what, what was your favorite memory of Action Park? Oh my God, there's, was, there's was so many. I, I, it was, you know, summer after summer, I, I made so many wonderful friends. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was good and bad being the owner's son. I mean, there were you can imagine the, the good part of it. The bad part is sometimes, you know, we had to work really, really hard and long hours but uh, a typical day, we would, we would really be at it all day. I'd be reacting to emergency after emergency. Um, and then by the end of the day, it, we often had festivals at the park. My dad had brought, bought a brewery from Germany because he wanted to recreate the Oktoberfest. And he needed authentic German beer. So he had bought the brewery and brought it all the way over, had it reassembled by German craftsmen. He brought in German brewers and brought in the barley and the hops from Germany. We made German beer and we would serve at these festivals. So we would slave all day, and then I'd grab my crew of close buddies, and we'd go down to the festival and dance the night away and drink big steins of beer. It was really a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> so now that you've written this memoir, I'm I'm curious, do you meet people who went to Action Park as kids and and want to tell you their favorite Action Park stories? Oh,
1: you know, that this has been going on for years. Um, I, you know... I will run into ex employees. I'll run in, I'll just be in like in in Europe and someone will say, Where are you from? Like New Jersey. And they'll bring up, Oh, there's that crazy place, Action Park was there. And then I tell them that my family was involved and then they tell me their story. But, you know, everybody's got an Action Park story. You know, my family and friends, we have hundreds of them and we picked the best ones to put in this book. And I think, as you said, you know, this COVID lockdown really stinks and I think if you grab the book and and jump into it it'll just bring you out of that and, and give you a little fantasy escape and hear the real story of something incredible that happened in the 70s and 80s
0: <laughs> so so why did action park eventually close well you know my dad was an entrepreneur
1: that was action park was just one of many things that he did uh, you know it kind of had its course um, there was a lot more competition after 20 years with a lot of other parks The lawsuits kind of built up. Some of the side businesses that we were in weren't doing so well. The real estate market was tough. So it really was, uh, and I think there was a big loan that didn't go through that kind of pushed them over the edge and uh, required them to reorganize and ultimately sell to IntraWest. And did they operate it or did they close it down? IntraWest was a big um, ski operator, ski area that also was a developer of ski villages and they wanted to put a village in. So they didn't have enough room um, with, with the land that was left. So they they really took dissembled almost two-thirds of the park to be able to put in their village. Uh, and they and they didn't really like the idea of selling seven, eight hundred thousand dollar condos when you had this crazy amusement park <laughs> they really tamed it down quite a bit. So there's there's a, a water park there now, but it's really it's not the action park. It's much much different.
0: Got it. so your memoir is currently in development as a TV series with Hulu. Do you what's the status of that project? You know,
1: um, as the book was coming together, um, I actually got a bunch of guys that approach me that wanted to do. Um, some uh you know do something on film with it and I said, I really want to finish the book cuz I think we have a good story and as we finished it up my um my agent said let's shop it in hollywood so we went to hollywood to shop it and we didn't really hear much for a little bit then all of a sudden we got an offer and then another offer and another i got 10 offers wow. so there's almost a little bit of a bidding war and ultimately we settled with and made a deal with 20th century fox television and Hulu, so a production company and a distribution company. And it's really special to me that we did a deal with them because they're Disney companies. And my dad always held Disney out as the gold standard when it came to operating amusement parks. So my dad has passed. And I just, you know, to me, it's it's really nice that it's going to be Disney that's going to put this thing together. So they've got 18-month option on it. And um, I think that it'll happen. Uh, they're very, very excited about it but it's going to take a little bit of time to put it all together.
0: So are you an amusement fan, amusement park fan now? And I'm curious, what's your favorite?
1: You know, um, I am a guy that appreciates um, observing what is going on in the amusement park industry all the time. I still think Disney is the gold standard. But in terms of like, if I want to go out and have fun, I, I'm a guy that likes the some of the extreme sports. I like mountain biking uh, out in Moab, and I like skiing out in Colorado, uh, and I, I, I go with my, get my daughter to come along with me. So that's really how I let, let go and have
0: some fun these days. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Andy Mulvahill, author of the memoir, Action Park, Fast Times, Wild Rides, and the Untold Story of America's Most Dangerous Amusement Park. Andy, thanks for doing this interview. I got to tell you, this has been wonderful. And if anybody wants to buy the book, you can get it on
1: actionparkbook.com or any of like the major sellers like Amazon.
0: Great. So everyone go buy a copy now. And thanks, Andy. All right. Thanks.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.